The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald and you're listening to Blethered on the Big Light Network. My guests are It Is On CEO Ollie Norman and Social Bite founder Josh Littlejohn, MBE. Both Ollie and Josh are serial entrepreneurs and have partnered in the brilliant £5 Christmas meal deal available now on It Is On. For just £5, you can buy a Christmas dinner or gift for a homeless person on Christmas Day through Social Bite. Make this the stocking filler you buy someone this Christmas and head to itison.com forward slash donate to buy one. Or two. Or three. Come on, it's Christmas. This is one of the funniest interviews that I've ever been involved in and in it you'll hear Ollie tell the story of how he uncovered a bit of a TV scandal about Prince Edward that led to him breaking the story via Piers Morgan in the Daily Mirror. Josh and Ollie tell me about how their partnership began, the positive impact it has on those who benefit from it and how it eventually led to them hanging about with George Clooney and Leonardo DiCaprio in Edinburgh and we talk about what it's like to work at It Is On dodgy flats in Falkirk at three in the morning and the best place in Glasgow to get macaroni and cheese. And as always, there's plenty more. If you enjoy this episode, share it with somebody. Maybe leave a review wherever you listen and make sure you're subscribed. This episode is brought to you by debt experts don't fret about debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly repayments towards debt, then visit don'tfretaboutdebt.net forward slash blethered. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Fret About Debt Senior Debt Advisor Tommy Gallagher where we discuss taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't Fret About Debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland helping you to make an informed choice. So take the first step to dealing with your debt today. Free advice is also available from the Money Advice Service. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it. Cheers. I suppose I need to preface um, this episode, this conversation with a bit of a... A disclaimer, I've got two of the most interesting guys I've ever encountered and it would, even just with one of you, it would, I think it would take me multiple episodes to get into everything. I have to kind of split my time, but we're going to cover as many bases as possible. Ollie and Josh, thanks very much for, for coming into the studio this morning. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thank you for those words at the top. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I didn't mean it, by the way. I was just, that was me just trying to be nice, trying to, <laughs> I trying got to suck it. you in. I was just giving you a platitude back as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ollie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you. Would you compare, would you say that entrepreneurship and business is comparable uh, in terms of exhilaration and unpredictability to snowboarding. <laughs> Do you think that's a fair comment? Do you know, um, there's a cliche, isn't there, when people ask you what you do if you're a business person, quite often you're going to regale, I do all these really extreme sports or something or other. But I think it's that risk-reward mentality. Mm -hmm. I like love the unpredictability of snowboarding. You get yourself into loads of scenarios. Like I've been at the top of cliffs going, holy fuck, how do I get out of here? Just I'm a very... snowboarding? <laughs> no, I'm a very average snowboarder. It, oh, doesn't, really? it doesn't work like that. I'll just jump back. Sorry to interrupt, but I'll just jump back in that wee uh, ski lift thing. Just take me back down again. It doesn't work like that. Is it, you don't have that? When you're at the top of a cliff and you're <clears> figuring out how do I get down and that adrenaline is pumping, 
you know, you're you're in in a, a, a really challenging situation. And I actually think business has been like over the last two three years that has been the story of business. You know, I've had uh, a venue business, uh, major event business, an online business servicing hospitality. When COVID struck, yeah. revenue went from £150,000 a day to zero. All I needed was an airline to be truly fucked. <laughs> and, and so, like, you know, you started off with the snowboarding analogy, but actually it's really, really appropriate. Yeah. it's um, it, when, when I found that out about you, uh, in my very detailed research, but when I found that out, I was like, of course it does. I was like, right, no worries. I thought you'd maybe also go like base jumping off of skyscrapers and all that as well. I, I hate heights, Sean. <laughs> so, I've got a wee Ferris wheel at Elfin Grove, the ice rink we're doing up the road here. Yeah. It's 15 metres high. Like, Megan will tell you this. I was on it with her the other day and I'm having to psych myself up to go on this thing. That, well, that would have been me because I, I came uh, very he's very kindly invited me to come along and I'm no one to say no to something Christmassy and um, I got asked like should we go on the Ferris wheel and I was going nope like nah, no did you not go on no it? I did the fuck like unless <laughs> I'm like you'd need to pay you would actually have to pay me to go on that it just is my idea of, of absolute hell uh, Josh I'm going to bring you in as well Josh Little John MBE no less when when was that? Was that as a result of, of charity work or was that related to anything else? Yeah, it was as a result of kind of all the work with Social Bite. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was back in 2017, I think. Um, and yeah, it was just a bit of a culmination of the work we'd kind of done to that point. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, it was cool. I, Before I've got, I've got loads of questions for both you in terms of origins, you know, business practice, how you... Um, Ollie had had done your law degree and then very quickly went nah fuck this like, I'm going to go and do something else but what was the point in which you two crossed over did you already know each other was the relationship already existing like, I, I quite like this so Josh previously had a business um, doing major events so kind of in a similar field to what I was in and I didn't know Josh that well I knew him loosely and like, within that world of events there's a lot of charlatans in events Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, I'm just going to call Josh a charlatan, MBE. <laughs> and I didn't really know him that well, but we'd met a few times and then Josh approached me with this idea. So I had this little bit of doubt of, who's this guy? What is this thing called Social Bite? Is he actually raising money for charity now? So I had a real healthy dose of scepticism <laughs> and I'm really glad I went with it. But um, it's fair to say we've become really good pals over the course mm-hmm. of, since we started doing this together. I think we we actually first met at a urinal. It was the first time we ever met. We were both having a wee. That makes sense. But the thing you were saying about the double bag off mic, there was a... <laughs> but it, for, for the, I mean, in case there's any very sort of excitable journalist from a certain tabloid listening, that is a comment that I have deliberately misrepresented that was taken out of context. But anyway, sorry. So, so anyways, we're holding hands at your urinal. Then what? <laughs> And that's how we got chatting. And then, um, I th- yeah, I think I went to see Ollie and we, Social Bite was just very embryonic. It was only about a year or so old. Mm. And it would, we just had a couple of cafes at the time and we were struggling to rub two pennies together, but we were engaging a lot with local homeless people mm-hmm. um, through offering employment in the cafes and we were offering free food by encouraging our customers to kind of pay it forward uh, and buy something extra for people that were homeless to come and get something for free later. 
Um, and we decided this year, this was back in 2014, that we were going to open up the cafes on Christmas Day um, and invite homeless people in and do a big Christmas dinner service. And we couldn't barely afford to, to do that. So after I kind of fortuitously met Ollie uh, that year, fateful urino, um <laughs> You it know, wasn't a cubicle. <laughs> um, you know, I said, uh, do you think you could maybe run a, a deal on on it is on um, your site where people would have the chance to buy a homeless person Christmas dinner? And that was kind of how the, the ball got rolling um, Yeah, back in 2014. I, I remember when I first encountered the voucher thing, so it must have been Christmas 2015. I was, I remember sitting at my desk um, my, at my office and coming across this and thinking, it was just the most amazing thing ever. So, I mean, to explain the voucher is £5. It started off as a meal, but then you, did you start mm. adding the gift as well? Well, the, the original idea was um, to raise enough. It was 800 meals originally, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I was sort of quietly confident we would raise enough more for 800 people to have Christmas mm-hmm. dinner on Christmas Day. And that was the original premise. And then, uh, you know, I had no idea. I thought maybe a couple of thousand would be ideal. But I think we ended up in that first year raising thirty-two thousand meals. That's which amazing, was isn't it? Unbelievable. It's it's something now every Christmas that I buy, and when I for Christmas presents, I'll say, um, that I'll say a wee card or something. I'm like I've got your present, but I've also got like yeah. this in your name because I just yeah. think it is the nicest thing. Do you know one thing I remember? Or have I imagined this? So in 2015, I bought loads, right? But then I got an email saying you're getting refunded because I had shared the link and like people had then, so I tweeted it being like, this is amazing if you want to get it. And I don't know if a certain amount of people clicked on that link, but I didn't get mine refunded and I have felt pure guilt. Oh. Like I felt so guilty. I was like, no. Oh, this, I was like, this that, is, I had no, like, I was just going, what are you talking about? I'm thinking, is there some sort of fraud? We used to do a thing three for free. So if, if you shared a link yeah. and then three people bought what you had bought this is on our deals out with giving to charity mm-hmm. that is just morally duplicitous well that's what I <laughs> thought what did, as well what did you do with the refund probably spent it in a double bagger I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but um, no I, I felt I felt absolutely terrible but then I was like oh well I, right. can't, I can't believe we were that idiotic I not know. to turn that feature um, off I know and by the way this was even before I'd done the podcast event. so if there's any um, any companies are listening they want to give me a wee code uh, hashtag Sean20 then there's your evidence <laughs> people will buy what I share <laughs> Um, we'll now have to I kind of want to come back to, to some of your story Ollie now correct me if I'm wrong as we kind of go but you get a law degree from the University of Edinburgh you start working at the McGregor Donald Law Firm not particularly excited by being a lawyer and then somehow you think right I'm offski and you end up writing for TV yeah so um, I did a law degree brilliant time at uni as with lots of people you know the idea that you're uh, 15 years of age determining what you want to do for the rest of your life is just nonsense <laughs> I so I hated the law degree loved uni left did a month working in McGregor Donald big corporate law firm at the time I remember getting my business cards everybody was getting really aroused at all these business cards that they had I would just thought it was the most depressing thing ever went out to the garage like, from American Psycho <laughs> oh the font was beautiful <laughs> it was immaculate I think it was gold foil but I was really depressed went out that night got pissed gave my cards away in the garage nightclub woke up the next day I was, I'd moved back home said to my dad um, I don't want to do this he persuaded me to do another few months in it anyway fully knew it wasn't for me went on my travels 
And uh, I did a whole bunch of different things. I always knew I wanted to do my own business, but I wanted to do something in the creative world, in the creative sector. I started writing for newspapers. Mm. I started writing TV programs for a company called Idea World. It was uh, a chap, Hamish Barber and Muriel Gray, the TV presenter. What sort of TV was it? Oh, some of it was mega and some of it was extraordinarily dull. Wonderful programs. <laughs> uh, location, location, location. Right, okay. Uh, uh, relocation, relocation, relocation. <laughs> uh, there was a, we did this amazing thing called Mechanoids, which was like this adult version of Robot Wars. So it was like the RAF would come in with a bigger budget and build this wow. just fuck off robot to try and shit, you know, like basically battle another robot. It was really exciting. Are you sure you will only just work for the Ministry of Defence and get a wee bit mixed up? Yeah. Do you know what? It sounds a bit like that. It was in a warehouse in Govan. Really? And it was funny. You could hear all these explosions, but all these kids kicking about were just like, oh, it's just a day in Govan. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but the, the kind of interesting dynamic was I wanted to raise some startup capital to come back to Scotland. At the time I was living in the Far East, I'd been doing sort of freelance journalism, writing and whatnot. Yeah, sorry, my, is my face being really sort of animated to because I want to know how, how it's the thing about Prince Edward, isn't it, yes, and, his, yes, and how you raise the startup yes, capital. Yes. You, I mean, you're now about to find out, Ollie, uh, not as grey a guy as you think, because he's in bed with Piers Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> in bed is like extreme, right? You've just taken that time I, I, you I, were I like to distort things. <laughs> You were with Amanda Holden yesterday. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't want anybody to know about that. That's, Did she that's, not? that's between her and I. <laughs> we agreed not to tell anybody. Do you know, I've got to admit, like every time like I see a little snapshot of Amanda Holden, I go, oh, hello. And then I don't realise who it is. Is she not like 60 now? I, I, we were talking about this the other day. I don't know. She's maybe, she's either 50 or 60, but she does not look it. Ah, it's quite She remarkable. does not look it. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So where were we? Um, anyway, so you so, and Piers Morgan were plotting. Yeah, living in Singapore at the time, I'd watched this TV show called Expats prior to going out. It was in Channel 5. It was when Channel 5 had just launched. It was all about football and porn and things like that. And this the good this, old days. 100%. And then um, on, on this TV show, it was just this really deboshed random show where it showed uh, cleaners cleaning in a flat for expats living in Singapore and they were fully naked and it was just, just this gross misrepresentation. Mm. It convinced me however to go and live in Singapore and I was really <laughs> devastated that that's not no, what life that's was like when absolutely I was shocking like, that's but, a disgrace but, right but, how, but, how, let's Google flights to Singapore <laughs> <laughs> not like that anymore but when I got there I sort of did a bit of digging because there was something just not adding up yeah. and I um, uncovered the whole thing was faked and the really exciting thing about it was it was made by Ardent which was Prince Edward's TV company so all very random came back to the UK needed to raised some funds to start up my business. I called up uh, this chap called Charles Ray, who was a royal correspondent at the Mirror. Uh, sorry, the Sun. And then I called up the Mirror and I got put through to Piers Morgan. <laughs> now, at the time, he wasn't famous. Mm. You know, he was famous for being an editor, mm. but he wasn't Britain's Got Talent or yeah. whatever he does now. Um, and they got into a bidding war. And eventually I went in with the Mirror. Um, they splashed the story in the front page. I think it was three consecutive days. It was Excellent. all over the global news. It forced an investigation. Prince Edward latterly then resigned from his TV company and I got the money to set up my business. Excellent. I so, didn't, that's, that's unbelievable. I didn't know that. I know, it's, it sounds so dodgy when I say it out loud. <laughs> but actually, just for absolute clarity, I'm not in the business of shopping stories to tabloids. <laughs> But it was a genuine story that had to be yeah, told. Yeah, no, I, I, th I think that's a pretty much a good point. It's probably in the public interest as well to be... Absolutely. Severely and was it your PR business that you were setting up? 
Yeah, so the origins, thanks for asking me the questions and jumping and doing Sean's job. <laughs> um, the, it's good, I like it. Yeah, the, um, it was, the original idea was I set, set up this data system and it was really early on. So it was 2002, 2003 and, you know, what, what existed? Amazon, you could just about buy a book from Amazon. Facebook, I think, didn't exist at that time. Mm -hmm. And the premise was really simple. Um, I wanted to match make people with places um, and I sent out invitations to people. It was sort of early profiling. It was all for lunch parties, bars, restaurants. I was talking about this chap, George Swanson. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we launched all the bars and restaurants, lots of theatre shows, movie premieres, all around Scotland on the system, and it became really prevalent. It was free to join, free to use. Um, the problem was when I tried to monetize it and make a living for myself, I couldn't. You know, mm. people were not willing then to put their details, their bank details, into what was a fundamentally small startup in Glasgow. It's funny that, isn't it? The, the way that obviously that's going to happen with the proliferation of like technology and the way it's sort of inextricably linked to how we do everything. Yes. And I remember being paranoid about paying for things online. But then last night I saw like this advert on this Instagram account that had 10 followers and it was for this Venice FC shirt. And I was like, right, okay, so how do I buy it? <laughs> like, you're just so willing to do it. And it's funny how, how those how those things will evolve. I, um, I have a couple more questions I kind of want to ask while they're in my head. And then Josh, I've got loads of things I want to ask you. But well, you've said, I think numerous times, you I believe that life is about experiences. Do, do you think that that then ultimately shaped the way that you kind of went in business or was there a bit of opportunism there or was it a sort of a mix of both? No. Um, so in the early days of business, you're just trying to hustle to make a living and survive. And mm -hmm. it was like that for several years until, sort of, I guess, success came along. And so you maybe meander in the path a little bit, but I've always come back to that notion, which is I, I will not commit my time to things that I, I don't find worthwhile, don't find fun, don't mm -hmm. bring people together don't have some sort of positive impact or benefit. And that's not an altruistic charitable component. It's a life component mm. of, you know, you are happier when you are doing fun things. That is it. You know, business has been extraordinarily tough. And if I look over the last few years for everybody, I'm sure lots of people have decided whether they want to do what they continue on doing. And for me, it just validated everything, which is mm. that moment in time of not being able to see your pals made me want to do it even more so everything that i do and everything that we try and do it is on is all about bringing people together having those experiences mm -hmm. josh um th with the origination of social bite so it was august 2012 you and alice thompson co-founded it yeah so it, it started off as a small chain of sandwich chops that were chops shops <laughs> they were donating those profits through profits for god's sake man what's happening with <laughs> those profits to social causes mm -hmm. What what brought that about though? Like, what was the the motivation for that? Because again, if you're putting your your time and effort and resources into something, you could be completely forgiven for saying, "Well, I want this to be to be for for my benefit and to do it for the benefit of others." is is very profound, isn't it? Well, as Ollie kind of mentioned before, setting up Social Byte, I'd set up an events company, and that was more for that traditional purpose of trying to create events and make mm -hmm. a profit and, you know, uh, maximize that profit and hopefully earn a good living. But when when I was a bit younger, when I was sort of a teenager, I was, I was never really particularly driven by money. I was always kind of quite idealistic, and I wanted to go and make a difference and change the world. Mm -hmm. And that was always my ambition, really, when I was growing up as a kind of teenager and I went to uni and studied politics and economics and that was kind of always I wanted to get involved in that kind of space so when I was had set up this events business I was loving kind of 
doing the entrepreneurial thing and bringing ideas to life, but I was kind of yearning a bit for mm-hmm. something that um, I felt was a bit more meaningful. Um, so back in maybe 2011, I came across a book by this guy called Professor Muhammad Yunus, um, who's this guy, uh, lives out in Bangladesh. He's totally amazing man. He won the Nobel Peace Prize um, in 2006. And in this book, he described an idea that he called a social business. Um, so he was talking about how in Bangladesh, he set up over 50 different businesses. Um, and some of them went on to become massive businesses, like he owned the telecom network in Bangladesh, and it was worth over a billion pounds. But he never owned a single share in any business that he created. So every single business he created, it never had that motivation of trying to maximize wealth for himself. Mm. He kept seeing these social challenges in Bangladesh and, and social problems. And his solution was always to try and set up a business format to tackle that particular challenge. So I was reading this book and I thought, wow, what, a, what an amazing idea. It sort of aligned my kind of newfound passion for entrepreneurship with mm-hmm. uh, the idea you could use a business to make a difference. So, And at the time with the events company, I had a little office in the centre of Edinburgh. And we used to go out most days and have a sandwich at Pret and a coffee at Starbucks. So that was kind of the origins. We thought maybe if we opened up a kind of cafe that had a social mission, um, customers might engage with that. But yeah, when we first opened it, it didn't really have anything to do with the homeless issue at all. We kind of wanted to try and make a profit. And then we'd selected three or four different charities to distribute the profits to. Mm. Um, But the whole thing kind of changed direction when we met this young guy who was 19 years old uh, called Pete, who was homeless and selling the Big Big Issue magazine just outside the front door of the cafe. And after about two weeks, we'd be wandering past and saying good morning to him. And he wandered in one day after about two weeks and he kind of plucked up the courage this day and he asked us if he could have a job in the cafe. And we thought, actually, if we were here to try and make a difference, mm-hmm. then that's probably about as, as big a difference as we, as we can make. So we gave him a job and that's kind of the, how the, the whole thing got, got going. Amazing. Is he is he still involved? What, what is, has, so what he's, still his... a good, he's still a good friend of ours. Um mm-hmm. But no, he's kind of uh, got his own place now. He's got three kids now. Wow. Um, And yeah, you know, when we first employed him and he was working really hard and we saw the employment was, you know, really made a massive difference in his life. We asked him if he knew anybody else that was homeless that might want a job. And he suggested his brother, uh, Joe, who was also selling the biggest year. And then we took him on and they started recommending some other people. So the whole thing kind of snowballed Mm -hmm. quite organically. But when I look back at all those early guys who, again, have all become really good friends, it's amazing to see that none of them are homeless anymore. So it goes to show you, you know, just the power of of that bit of faith in someone and giving them that that job, it can completely, you know, uh, change the course. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. With it, because I mean, because I, I was going, to, I was thinking, do I say this? Do I not say this? But in terms of the 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 subject of homelessness as a whole and how it's defined, you know, you can look at something and it could be something that doesn't have anywhere to go in terms of the couch surfing and all that. How do we spell it like that? But uh, the ages like nineteen and twenty, and it's something that you kind of can fall off the edge a wee bit, and you're like, well, I'm working, you know, I'm trying hard, I'm kind of doing things, but you either don't have the resources for as I had for like a, a deposit for a flat you're kind of running on a treadmill with no power because how do you save for a, a deposit for a flat if you're kind of just trying to get past and they that so that really struck a chord to me even just what you're saying there about just kind of saying well kind of we'll back you a wee bit mm-hmm. we'll show a bit of faith in you and a mm-hmm. bit of trust in you because probably then also is just the constant connection people will make well you're homeless you're selling a big issue you must have done something or you must be you must be like a sort of what's the word i'm looking for 
the stigma. Aye, yeah. maybe a wee bit of untrustworthiness uh, about yeah, yeah. when, it, when in actual fact, you know, that's that's Definitely. not the case. And if you know, when we gave Pete that job, the local Edinburgh newspaper, you know, picked up the story, mm-hmm. and then they ran a story, and it was like local big issue seller get sell the biggest issue outside the cafe gets a job inside the cafe and it was a like, nice little good news mm-hmm. story but what was strange was the following day all the big national papers picked up that story and it ran and you know the same great news story and looking back on that it just goes to show how rare that is that someone breaks through that stigma mm-hmm. position you know because it shouldn't really be a news story should it you know because he was only really working in a cafe washing some dishes and chopping some vegetables it's not exactly like a massive story but the fact it was just goes to show that there's that kind of ceiling for people when they find themselves in that situation of homelessness you're pretty yeah. much excluded from society and from traditional employment i suppose for better or for worse i suppose media coverage is fairly representative uh, representative of what society is and that is very much a case of cat gets stuck up tree or man gets job and there's a news mm-hmm. story about it but then obviously you're kind of you're, you're peeling those layers back you know, you were saying you studied politics and economics. Mm-hmm. The more you learned about the political and economic system and the general modern day society, but in the UK uh, specifically, did the, the more you learned, did that kind of not radicalise you, but did that make you more determined to, you know, I, I'm going to, or I want to do something? Did that kind of galvanise that inside you? Um, I, I think I already kind of, uh, you know, w- I went into to university with that kind of as an aspiration. It, in a way, actually, it sort of diluted it um, because you kind of, you, you sort of get taught when you study economics that the role of a business is to be fairly one-dimensional mm. and kind of maximise profit. Um, so when I left uni, you know, that was kind of just the, the natural path that I took and I'd never really come across this concept of social enterprise or trying to do things in a different way and it was Mm. luckily I only stumbled across that book by Mohammed Yunus that kind of opened my eyes to to some other different business models and things I found really interesting so you know and that's one of the things I'm really passionate about now is you know whenever I speak to young people or to schools or universities you find there's this hunger and appetite for you know, young people to go out and, you know, a lot of people are very passionate and driven mm-hmm. by trying to make a difference, um, you know, so try to encourage them to explore these different uh, w- ways of doing it, definitely. There's there's a very famous photo that circulates around the internet all the time. It kind of pops up in meme pages all the time. And it's a photo of Leonardo DiCaprio will be a bus. I think it's the bus is going to Granted, right. maybe, <laughs> um, in Edinburgh. And every that goes around all the time, but... Was that when he was coming to yeah. the social bite store? That was just him outside the yeah the the, the restaurant and the the Granton bus built pulled up <laughs> behind him. But no, it was some scene. There was you know hundreds of people, obviously mob, mob in the streets. There was a guy leaning out of his window in his flat, uh, blaring the Titanic theme tune <laughs> <laughs> as he arrived. And yeah, it was uh, just that opportune moment where the Granton bus yeah. just pulled up behind him. So yeah, you've got him. You've got George Clooney kind of lending support. Mm-hmm. How did that originate? That obviously they've seen it and went, this is great, but... Well, um, through my events company, I was, one of the events I'd come up with was this event called the Scottish Business Awards. Um, and we, that started in 2012. The first event took place before Social Bite uh, was first opened. And this became a really big business dinner. Um, and but over the years, it kind of grew to events. It had 2,000 business kind of people coming to this dinner. And that was... The year I know where I met uh, Ollie was at the first year of that dinner. <laughs> nice. um, 
and um, can we get off this sorry <laughs> no no I want to keep banging this drum I want, I, I want a paper to write a story about it Josh we'll go to the toilet after <laughs> so um, yeah we were basically we're inviting high profile people to come and be the speaker um, for this dinner and we'd had some big people uh, prior to George Clooney Leonardo DiCaprio we had Bill Clinton and then Richard Branson wow. came um, so we basically wrote, literally wrote a letter off to George Clooney via a charity that he had founded called Not On Our Watch, which is a charity based in the Sudan. So we wrote a letter to them and said, um, we'd like to invite George over to Scotland and be the speaker at this dinner. And we can help to raise money through the dinner for your charity. And then when they started to engage in that and they came back and they sounded like they might be interested and it looked like it was going to happen, then we said, look, we've also got this little thing called Social Bite. It's basically a little cafe. Um, do you think uh, he would come in and meet some of the staff that are formerly homeless? And they said, yeah, you know that, that sounds great. So by the time he came, obviously, um, then the world's global media had pitched up outside mm-hmm. our little cafe and that became the whole story. Um but yeah, we ju- it was literally a case of just writing a letter to his charity and uh, we went from there. Just sure, don't preemptively um, reject yourself because you could, somebody could go, he's not going to say yes of to that. Of course, but, exactly. That, but, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. I've got to say, that's one of your superpowers like, for Josh is that ability to just go so high. I mean, mm. this notion of getting you know, a proper A-lister to come to your charity yeah. and give it that profile and everything that came from it is extraordinary. Could you, could you, did you have a, like a measurable return on that? I know it's very difficult, but did you, in terms of coverage or people coming in? Yeah, I mean, it was literally absolutely transformative. Like pretty much no one had ever really heard about Social Bite without, with the kind mm-hmm. of vicinities of the shops and people had started to maybe hear a bit through the It Is On deal at Christmas, which happened the year prior. But, you know, when George Clooney came in 2015, I went into the news agents the next day and it was literally the front page of every single national newspaper in the United Kingdom. It was one of the main news items at the news at six, like wow. sort of bong. <laughs> George Clooney, eat sandwich. Uh, <laughs> I had uh, cousins that live in South Africa that were phoning me up saying, I've just seen you on the news with George Clooney. So it just <laughs> blew up as this mad story. So for, for us as a tiny little social enterprise that no one had heard of, suddenly, you know, the whole kind of, uh, potential for the organisation w- mm-hmm. was transformed and it gave us a loud voice in the homeless issue and we've been able to kind of capitalise on that to develop much more ambitious fundraising campaigns mm-hmm. and uh, you know try and campaign politically on the issue and so it was definitely like a really transformative moment This is probably a good a good point to to talk about the this year's Christmas deal um, you know we've kind of got a, a good a good understanding a good sort of feeling for what Social Bite is so this year is it has it started yet? Are they able yeah. you're able to buy? So it's for five pounds you can you can buy a gift and a meal for, for someone on Christmas Day that's in need. I mean, before we kinda talk about some of the logistics and where that'll go and kinda how that because I'm interested to find out and how that's actually delivered. Um but I just can't think of a nice a better way to spend your money, to be honest. It is a fiver. Like I I won't name any of these bars, but there's bars in town where you're paying eight quid for a vodka. Yeah, a couple so, of them might be mine. Oh, some of them. <laughs> oh yeah, I did actually mean to say that. I, I've got a list of all your places. I put them on the blacklist. Um, well, listen, that, 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 it is what it is. But you know, it's a fiver, um, and the, it you know it just goes so far. How how do you deliver that? The the once you know so you've got the money and then you're distributing the food first. Where do they come to eat? Well, um, the, 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 we've got three cafes open in three cities. So yeah. in Edinburgh, on Rose Street. Uh, 
Aberdeen on Union Street and then we're opening a brand new cafe in Glasgow next year so we've just signed the lease I, I, I don't think I'm allowed to announce it yet because the team are doing an announcement next week I think in terms of the location but City Centre Glasgow Cafe so the first thing that venue is going to do is open up on Christmas Day oh, um, for homeless people so it's open Christmas Eve and Christmas Day 12 till 4 across the three cities and then basically you know what's been happening since the, the first year we ran the It Is On deal is it funds us to open those cafes on Christmas Day. We also produce loads of Christmas dinners at our central kitchen mm-hmm. and distribute them out. And then the money that people donate also help, helps us to feed people well into uh, 2023 as well. So mm-hmm. whilst you're buying a Christmas dinner, you're also basically supporting the free food effort throughout the year, which, you know, particularly with this cost of living crisis, we we see the demand going up, up, up all the time for people accessing the cafes to get free food. So it's, mm-hmm. de- it's definitely needed uh, more than ever. The I'm really really fascinated with the social bite village. Mm-hmm. How did what was the idea for that? Again, you probably seem you strike me somebody who thinks, well, why not? Well, you have this big idea and just go for it. What did that come to you one day, or is it something that you'd always thought you wanted to do when you scaled up? No, like I think you know that's the thing. I suppose with t- taking an entrepreneurial approach within a charitable mm-hmm. kind of space is you kind of you know start to just come up with ideas. Uh, in a similar way a business would, you know, thinking of new new opportunities and new things you learn and, you know, going into it that way. So when you're doing that in a charitable space, you know, your brain just um, activates in that way. So it basically came about because we were meeting lots and lots of people that were homeless coming into the cafes every day and we were meeting people through that were employing that were homeless. And we just started asking people their stories and finding out a bit more and saying how did you become homeless and sort of what sort of homeless accommodation might you be in at the moment and basically everyone we were speaking to was just telling us these absolutely horror stories of the kinds of accommodation that they were placed in by the council Mm -hmm. and you find they were in these absolute hellhole hostels or uh, these things called homelessness bed and breakfasts you know and it's stories like oh god you know i was in this this b&b and the mattress stank of of piss basically mm. and then i phoned down to the reception and said this mattress is, is piss stained uh and they've said well can you not try the other bed in the room and they've tried the other bed and they've said it's covered in bed bugs mm. and then they phoned down in tears and they've said well sorry it's either that or the streets and then you realize that a lot of the providers of these accommodations are being paid absolute fortunes by the local councils um to deliver them and there's no support on offer and it's just absolutely squalid so when you're hearing these stories routinely anecdotally you just start to get a bit angry and you think surely we literally can't do any worse than this so let's try and think of if we can create an accommodation solution so that was how it originated and then we approached edinburgh council and said do you have any vacant land we could maybe take on to try and build a community-based accommodation project. And they said, well, there's maybe a few plots. So we went around and looked at some options and we agreed with them this plot of land. And uh, basically through some big fundraising events we did, we managed to put into production these 11 uh, two-bedroom homes and a big community hub. And it's a place launched in 2018 and um, at any one time, 20 people that are homeless can come and live there. And there's lots of support on site and people live there for maybe an average about a year. Um, kind of find their feet and they're being helped then onto to their own flat and it's been you know a brilliant um brilliant brilliant project that's amazing it's just helping people transition into a different mindset in it and 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 feel, feeling safe and stable definitely and i think the big thing about it is a sense of community um as well you know people 
are building positive relationships with each other. Um, like a lot of the people that lived in the village are going on to be flatmates. You know, a lot of people that move out from the village into the flat go back to watch the football or sure. go, and, you know, go go there for dinner. So it's just creating that sense of mm. positive relationships. And I think, you know, when people are homeless, normally they're very, very isolated and you kind of feel like they're in it on their own. So I think that's been... A big mm-hmm. aspect of it. So we've got plans now to try and build two more villages. Uh, one in the west. Uh, we've got a, we're working with South Lanarkshire Council and um, to try and do one in the west and and hopefully one in Dundee as well. So that's kind of hopefully mm. a big thing over the next few years. I've no doubt people hearing about that will think that there's something they want to get behind. And I suppose the first place that you can do that is go to it is on. Um, but it'll be available until the twenty fourth of December. So you have got time uh, if you're still waiting for that Christmas pay to go and get Christmas presents. Um, and I mean, the only reason I ever do anything for anybody else is so I can personally feel good. Um, so I get the bit, I'm not joking, but you'll, you'll have that nice wee buzz. So, um, yeah, get on there. You find all the usual links will be in the episode notes everywhere. I always say it podcast cliche. Um, can we go back to Etazon? A hundred percent. Let's yes, do it. Do you get... want to move off of charity and, and know, how amazing just... Josh is? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about making money. No, I'm, uh... <laughs> money never sleeps. Um, I'm just really fascinated by it as on in general um, and, and more so your office. Mm. So it's in because I, I saw a video of it and it looks mm. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Now, I suppose maybe I'll ask, I'll ask you this question, uh, Megan. I'm only joking. Uh, what's it actually like to work there? But you've got <laughs> Talk me through what is in this office. You've got a yoga and Pilates spot. It's like everything that you think that could be wanky about a tech startup, we've got and more. <laughs> but <laughs> tell me, them. oh, it's so exciting! So, <laughs> so you come in. It's so it's an old church, and it's got these incredible high ceilings that we've um, uh, redecorated, brought back to life. So the, it's got a whole lighting rig and everything is um, done via your phone in terms of all the controls and the whole system, fingerprint entry. And then you come in, you've got a yoga and a Pilates studio, there's a gym, there's a full service bar where we all sit down every Friday, have a few drinks, chat about how wonderful the week is and how wonderful we're all doing. And, <laughs> and our genuinely our favourite day of the, of the year is Social Bite, so we'll be doing that. Um, it's got all these amazing rooms and spaces for people to collaborate. It's got a giant oak tree, it's got a giant hot air balloon, it's over two different levels. Like... Of course, why wouldn't you? <laughs> the oak tree has got these beautiful fairy lights through it that sparkle every time a member joins it is on. Oh, no shed way. A t- Genuinely, it does. <laughs> so it's, it's hooked into our server infrastructure. And then when you go upstairs, um, which is where our dev and finance team sit, there's a fireman's pole to get down. So it's, <sighs> so it's, 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 it's an office of fun. Yeah, it seems um, like a big soft play area. It actually does have a little soft play area. Does it? Oh, right, okay. Yes, because <laughs> because people are allowed to bring their kids, which leads me to my next question. So can I come in and play as well? <laughs> you can come in and play, John, anytime. I'm coming fr- every Friday. I'm not that far, you know. We've got a ball pit. I think you'd like the ball pit. Yes. It's really nice. Um, genuinely, dude, you should come in. You're more than welcome to. I'm going and, to and have do, to. Do you know where it came from? It's like... I, I, in the legal days in the law firm and the offices they're all just this it's a glass box it's a desk there's no joy to it you spend such a huge amount of time in there why are you not yeah. gearing this up as to how you would like to live how you know places of collaboration places of comfort and also trying to break down that barrier of I go to work I shut off my personal life inviting your pals in inviting mm-hmm. your family and having kids around 
that's it, just, it spreads joy it's fun yeah my uh, my pal Sophie McLaren uh-huh. she I was telling her that I was going to be interviewing you uh, and we're going to be talking and the first thing she said was I am desperate to work at Amazon because <laughs> of how good it sounds and I think she maybe read something at one point and maybe looked into it a wee bit more and was like I need to I need to go and work there what does she do uh, I won't say because she has a job in a company or an organisation that's maybe got uh, discretion, privacy, privacy. So I won't say, but sure. she is. She's very, very, very clever person. Cool. Very, very hard cool. worker. So I'll, I'll send her your CV. Great, done. Uh, no, I'll send you her CV. Why the fuck would I send her your CV? Because <laughs> she wants. Cause she, I just she wanted for a wee show you what this guy's done. I know. Look, isn't this great? In case you look for a wee Saturday, a wee Saturday job or something. Um, the uh, right. My, all the questions will flash up at once man I says like my, my uncontrollable ADHD really like, ask this ask that um, drive in movies and yep. stuff amazing Elfin Grove amazing Glasgow amazing who comes up with these ideas is this part of the team do you come up with this oh, and then this crack is... the whip and say you better get this done <laughs> yes <laughs> Megan's in the corner going yes <laughs> um, like it, it all come like uh, events are the thing that I start off doing I love events the kind of the raw emotion and the shit your pants moment of I'm having 10,000 people turn up today we yeah. better be on it there's nothing quite like it um, so I came up with the idea. I always wanted to have a go to a drive-in. The idea of watching the Goonies, so good, it's just great. And we do it every year now for twenty thousand people that come along at Christmas. It's magic. And then Glasgow came from going to Disney as a six-year-old, going <laughs> seeing the shows, going, why don't we have this in our home turf? And we live in a country which is fundamentally depressing for five months of the year, where you're bathed in darkness. So it was this antidote of can we do something that's fun? Mm. And then Elfengrove, wow. You know, 2019, I don't know if you're familiar with, I came up with this idea, I came up with this concept, it was my wife who came, I was scratching my head going, I want to recreate the film Elf at Kelvin Grove, transform it into this magical thing, what should I call it? I mean, it was literally one of those absolute dipshit moments, she, she was like, Elfin Grove! So we did in That's 2019, our commission. 100%, well in 2019 we put it on sale, and to talk about the crassness of ticket selling, but we sold... 240,000 tickets, mm. 125,000 of them it's went more, in the like first more 12 than Glas- hours. Glastonbury. It was more than Glastonbury in year one. <laughs> and so we had every single night. That 8, is 000. amazing. It was extraordinary. Um, and we've now transformed that post-COVID into an outdoor ice rink, yeah. into the UK's largest. It's just brilliant. It's so the, much fun. This skating is actually amazing. Yeah. Now, here is the most important question I've got. Okay. So when we, I was skating round, and I'm looking at all the staff and I'm like, right, these are all amazing at ice skating. Now, I don't know if you saw actually my mate Paul Black You're right, yeah. had the video out saying like, who are the, where are you all learning to skate? Yeah. But what I want to know is, where do you find like these 12 staff that uh-huh. are pure amazing at skating? Uh-huh. How come they're amazing at skating and they're, like, they're just available to come here and work? Uh-huh. And do you make them do really like sort of we dancing on ice auditions to see if they can actually come and do the job? You're making this sound a bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's seen, just like... No, no, I know. Like, there's this whole community of brilliant skaters and people who grew up skating. I didn't. No, I, I don't actually like ice skating. I love it. I'm actually quite good. Are you? Yeah, like, yeah. You're one of those people. Like, I'm not very good, and then I'm chatting to you whilst you skate backwards. No, I can't skate backwards, but I can go dead fast. Right. Okay. But see, see when, see when I was there. Right. So you know, yeah. like your slot ends or whatever. Yeah. 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 Now I'm pure 
I, I can't break, so I need to just crash into the board to stop or sort of naturally <laughs> slow down. Yeah. And I'm flying round, and yeah. uh, unbeknown to me, this slot has ended. So one of the guys, the staff, is like, oh, that's us. But I'm flying past them, and then he's like, instinctively, and this, he's not done it wrong, but he just instinctively went, oh, right, come on, we're done. And I'm like, mate, fucking, I'm doing 25 mil, I know you want to leave it out. <laughs> like, uh, let me finish my lap, and then I'll naturally come to hope. Matt, what do you want me to do? Like, fucking, do I mean... Blades of Glory pirouette and just stop on the spot with the, the dust of the ice kind of coming up and I was like you, you, you're that guy everyone's in comms for you aye where the radio's we've got a runner grab him I'm like ice. what is the outcome here like we yeah. both go skidding like doing a cleansing on the front <laughs> do you know it's like it is I'm a really average skater but like when you go late at night and it's mm. really quiet and you can just bomb it round aye. and you can fall Without someone, you know, the embarrassment of falling, decking it, and 10 people around you. you oh, know? by the way, I've, I've got a story about that. See, I, funnily enough, actually, so I was out with, I think I was with my mum and my auntie, and it was like December 2003, yeah. and it was going to be ice skating at George Square, Pizza Hut, and then we went to see Elf at the old audience when it was actually out. That's how yeah. much I, wow. I feel like you're old guy yeah. saying that. And um, the ice had started to melt, so there's like a big puddle. Like, and this is one at George Square. And I'm, they wouldn't come on skating either. So that was annoyance point number one. But I've, I have basically fallen. Like if somebody's like tripped me or whatever's happened and I have gone skidding. Into the park. And it's like the water's kind of splashing up around me. And there was people from my school there that were like girls in here above me. And it just everything. It, do you know what it was? It was the nightmare. And like if I, like an actual dream you have and it just <laughs> happened to me so then I was like fucking raging but I was like well I've got 20 minutes left in my skating and this is my only chance this year <laughs> so I'm going to keep going but I said to my mum like can you go and get me some clothes somehow thinking she'd come back with like the best of gear she just went and got like a jumper that was like two sizes too big and then like these trousers and none nothing matched and she had to get me these trainers as well and I know I should have been grateful for her going and spending money getting me clothes but I wasn't there I was fucking raging because I just looked as if I'd been kicked through the lost property box in PE <laughs> and then went to I'll never forget it and just went to Pizza Hut and again like these people from my school are sitting beside me and I'm like how how can this get any worse so basically Elfingrove didn't have much to compete against for me to have a good opinion <laughs> of it sounds like a proper emotional scarring that it would was, have taken man. a big Mate. thing for you to get on the rink at Elfingrove I don't, well, I, well I don't know and it was, it was yeah. kind of like a film moment when I was oh. like this is me stepping back on the ice <laughs> But that, that kind of sums, gone wrong. that summed up George Square George Square memory for everyone is skating in water. Aye. So like it is it's it's a big thing to put on an ice rink, although this weather's helping a lot. This oh is my good. God, I know. Yeah. I couldn't even see this morning, I couldn't even get my car door open. I'm Aye. standing there like, what do you actually do here when you kinda get your get your car open? Um going forward for both of you. Are there any sort of wee partnerships that you think you want to work on or any other projects? Because you're obviously two guys with a lot of ideas and the resources to make it happen. Together, you mean? Yeah, together in terms of from a charitable Probably perspective. Like a, a chain of toilet cubicles, areas <laughs> for guys to hang out. <laughs> Me, <laughs> for guys to hang out. next to each other. I'm pretty sure they already exist and it sounds like you already know where they are. Um, Do you know, Josh and I are always talking and I think it's fair to say the last few years everyone's been doing their own thing, trying to survive, trying to um, hustle, trying to figure mm-hmm. out you know, what does business look like? What does working look like? Everything has just been turned on its head and we're now kind of into a weird world. But, you know, hopefully Josh and I can get back onto a trajectory of talking about things. We've collaborated and 
all the things that we've mm. sort of spoken about yeah. that social bite have originated which is a you know whether it's bringing DiCaprio over or helping fund the social bite village yeah. um there's i think social bite is just an extraordinary organization because they just get shit done mm-hmm. they do stuff and i think that's why the deal works so incredibly well it's such yeah. a simple thing of i'm going to buy a meal for a homeless person and we have such trust and faith that Social Bite deliver on that. Mm-hmm. And that's part of that dynamic where I think it's become so successful because Social Bite are so visible and, you know, and driven by Josh in a really entrepreneurial fashion of growing it in a really yeah. thoughtful way that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So I've not really answered your question, but yes, I'd love to do more with Josh. And I think we're always chatting about what could we do next. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm sure we we naturally will. Like Ollie said, you know, sir, I mean, from Social Bite's perspective, like the it is on deal back in 2014 has just been so foundational for who we've become as a charity, and it's funded our free food provision largely, um, you know, ever since then. And then everything we've tried to do since, you know, whether it was the the celebrity visits, it is on did a, a raffle where you could have lunch with George Clooney and Leonardo DiCaprio for a five or whatever it was the village people contributed that way and, and different things. So you right through the journey, you know, it is on's you know probably been our 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 single best partner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's exciting to see where the partnership can go going forward. Did somebody win that in a raffle to have lunch mm. with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who won it? Do, do you remember was, them? Oh, there was a lady. It's Ollie's wife. It was Cat. <laughs> It's really annoying being the you know, the proxy father of three children that between George and Leo <laughs> that I've got nothing to do with. Anyway, that sounds really morally dubious. They are my children, <laughs> um, for clarity. Um, What's the question? What are we talking who about? Won, who, who won, won the, the raffle? Winning? Yeah, so it was a girl, I've totally forgotten her name. She's fantastic. She's uh, got a wedding business in uh, and a TP business in Glasgow, actually. <laughs> and she just got married i think so she was swapping notes with george who remind me of the name of the lady he married amal amal Amal. yeah Yeah. um so they were having a good fun chat over that george was really funny because obviously i was waiting it was in tiger lily Mm -hmm. in edinburgh Mm -hmm. and as josh said it was the kind of global press were outside and we were inside having a few drinks waiting for george to arrive and there was no sort of ceremony he just sort of turned around he patted me in the shoulder and went hey i'm george totally and i was like I, I don't actually think i gave him the good grace of politeness of seeing who i am just expecting you know him to know who i am but anyway what a dude mm. just Hi. a lovely guy we all sat and had lunch with him and his chat was brilliant he was just dead down to earth got a bit pissed had a lot of fun i remember asking um would he be interested running for president and he kind of had a wee giggle about, nah, the house isn't big enough. <laughs> the White House. And Trump, <laughs> Trump was putting his hat in the rink, I think, or wow. talking about close to the time. But the interesting... Hat in the rink, you've got ice skating on the brain. <laughs> 100%, <laughs> dude. That's where I'll be on after this. And DiCaprio was quite interesting. Mm. You know, just like the insight yeah. of meeting these global... Yeah, it was quite listers. funny, actually, because um, DiCaprio, before he was going on to speak at the big dinner, um, we were sort of backstage in the little green room with him. And... It basically when we did the It Is On raffle to have lunch with them, DiCaprio's raffle sold a bit more than Clooney's did, sold a few thousand more tickets. And we told his kind of manager PR person that earlier in the day, and he goes, oh, you must mention that to Leo later, he'll like that. And then just before he's due to go on, I think he was trying to G-Mum, he goes, Josh, Josh, 
tell Leo about that thing about the raffle. I said, oh yeah, you, you're sold much uh, a bit more than uh, Clooney's did in the big beaming smelly one. I sold more than George. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was quite an interesting little competitive insight. That is absolutely unbelievable. Like, imagine getting the message to be told by the way you're coming to have like lunch with his. That is... Well, that's it. I, I can't remember the name of the lady again who won to meet the Leo. But he, he was just amazing. When you got, as you said about the Granton bus, when he got out to go into the restaurant, the social bite restaurant at that time um, for lunch, you know, there must have been hundreds of people screaming. I mean, could you imagine you rock yeah. up? Mate, have you ever been a night out with me? <laughs> no, but like for <laughs> screaming, stuff. Ha- happy screams. <laughs> <laughs> so, Not so, screams of how did you get in here? Who are you? <laughs> so people carry rocks up, people scream. He walked in. And he looked shooken. He looked nervous and mm-hmm. anxious. But, you know, I, I can't get my head around what that must be like, where you go, people scream in your face. It's yep. nuts. And that's it's basically not, but it's not that bad you get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Josh, I interrupted you. No, no, no. Um, yeah, another, I, I don't know how long we've got, but I've got another funny story about the George, on, the, on you go. the George Clooney thing. Is um, My little brother at the time, uh, he'd ri- he'd written r- totally randomly a screenplay, right? And um, it was it what was... an interesting house yours must have been to grow up in. <laughs> yeah, he wrote the screenplay, and it was called A Man's Search for Meaning. And it was a big proper like. I was mo- talking about that. There's a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankl. I was talking about it just just yesterday. Right. Okay. Well, you maybe copied that name. Plagiarism. Um, anyway, so he wrote this screenplay, and I remember I was we went on a holiday to Spain just a couple of months before the George Clooney visit was going to happen, and he was on his laptop and he was sending this screenplay unsolicited um, to all these different film production companies and on all these pages it says do not send scripts unsolicited they will not be read and he was doing it. I thought oh god he's never going to get anywhere with this and so as it got closer I said look why don't you come to Tiger Lily with this George Clooney lunch and give him your screenplay you know I never know what could might happen but then I said it just might be a bit random because um you know, he's got no connection to it. I said, look, he's over-promoting his charity in the Sudan. Could you not just redraft the screenplay a bit, you know, because it was set, you know, in, a, in another country. I said, can you not just redraft it a bit and set it in Sudan? <laughs> so he basically redrafted the screenplay and changed the title of it from A Man's Search for Meaning to A Man's Search for Meaning in Sudan. <laughs> right. And he came, <laughs> it's true. And he came up with this backstory that he'd trapped, because he had been to Africa, but not to Sudan. He'd been to Ghana. Um, so I said, look, come up with a backstory. So he met George Clooney and Tiger. He said, oh, I've actually been to Sudan myself and the experience inspired me to write this screenplay. <laughs> Play, and he gave him the screenplay so we were hoping it was going to be the next Scorsese picture but unfortunately it must have uh, it, it didn't go anywhere but... just send it to Leo this time and just try and find something that's connected to him <laughs> uh, I, just, I, I really find that hard to get my head around like I think I would appear as if I was speaking in tongues or in Swahili if I was confronted with either of them because you'd just be like you're two of the biggest you're the biggest star on the planet and now I'm face to face with you and you're tapping my shoulder and saying hello but that that was the cool thing about both of them they're just dead down to earth you know, you put all these yeah. guys, you know, DiCaprio, he, he must have, and I can't think, he's not made a bad movie. His movies are mega. Yeah. Like, and he was there and he was talking about his charity and obviously it's all to do with the climate and um, he was really fascinated about that. But everyone around the table just wanted to talk mm. to him about all his movies. Um, yeah. and, you know, good oh, I did. Wolf I was like, come on, do, tell me about the plane scene in Wolf of Wall Street. Oh. Like, he was like, because he'd been quite serious up until that moment. 
And then when he asked the question, he was just like, oh, man, that was so much fun. He did such a smile. Like, you know, him, Margot Robbie, and a bunch of prostitutes on a plane with quaaludes kicking about. It's not that good, honestly. So I didn't enjoy it that much when I got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, on, I've, I've got grey hairs coming through at a price. Oh, poor you. And a very accelerating rate. <laughs> but I always think, I'm like, do you know what? It's sure. fine because... You know, you'll be like George Clooney. And in fact, I'm just more like Marvin for the scheme with the more grey hairs that, that tend to come in. Big fan of Marvin if anybody tries to misrepresent that. But I'm just saying I look more like him than I do George Clooney. Um, with it is on as a customer facing business, that is that you, you, you know, you're interacting with customers on the daily. The, the saying the customer is always right isn't always correct. You must get some belters of complaints, such as, I didn't enjoy my food, can I get a refund? Like, are there any sort of standout <laughs> ones that you would tell around the dinner table? There's, like, I mean, I should be very careful because I, you know, our customers are a be all and end all, but holy shit, we get some crackers, right? <laughs> my absolute favourite ones actually are typically this. You know, there'll be a customer support case going back and forth. The customer's really irate. And typically it is, I will go immediately to the press. And it'll go legal and so on and so forth. And this will happen regularly. And it'll go back and forth. It'll be over days. And, and then it'll turn out they bought a Groupon voucher. That oh, is my brilliant. favorite. And that's quite a regular thing that happens. Brilliant. Do you know, I'm going to say 4.8 and Trustpilot. We're pretty good at what we do. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got such a huge variety. Ultimately, when somebody buys a feature or a deal and it is on, we're at the mercy of how good the business is mm. and how they're going to deliver it. Yeah. And we try and err on the side of quality as to what people do. I don't always get it right and there's some just crackers out there of um my favorite and this was not with us this was with groupon um i'm just gonna put this in there because that's how i ended up starting up i looked at what they were doing in 2009 and it was like that was what i was doing in 2002 and we launched it as on in 2010 and in that day um we'd got really strong checks to make sure all the businesses we were working with were good we mystery shopped them we checked they were really great they didn't so there was a cracker of one where this chap had basically put on upmarket massages, and and so people were buying all these this group, people were buying all these vouchers and Groupon, and they totally misrepresented the address. I think they were saying it was Glasgow, but actually what happened was someone went to a scheme in Falkirk, <laughs> went to someone's flat, chapped in the door, and the guy had turned his spare bedroom into like a, a little massage, massage table. Is that surely a, very illegal? Yeah, I, I don't really know how that happened, but I, so was it a good massage? Did you enjoy I really it? Really thoroughly enjoyed it. I miss Josh. Being there and, I like, and I just thought I saw his car parked outside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kind of wanted to give a cursory mention to what I think is the best macaroni and cheese in <laughs> in the whole planet in Sloan's. You, you the man, the, thank you. You're sure. a proprietor of Sloan's. Yes, yes, I am. Amongst other other places yes. as well. Yes, charging so eight quid a vodka. <laughs> <laughs> on a good day on a promotion that's how I feel do you know but, uh, Sloan's so our old office was in Buchanan Street and now right. Gail Arcade just directly above Sloan's oh, yeah. pretty much and uh, Sloan's um, shut down and I was looking at it and I thought right, I could do that so we ended up buying Sloan's <laughs> and spent forever doing it up because I mean literally the floors were falling in when we really? bought it it was a 1797 this stunning stunning building that had just fallen into disrepair do you know all around Sloan's back in the day when it was built um, Buchanan Street was orchards 
And there's amazing photos, and you see Sloan's as a standalone building. Wow. And it's a coach house, and all the coaches used to come, and they then come get their fill of food and drink, and then they go off somewhere. And the reason why macaroni exists there is I bought it, didn't really know what I was doing, a bit anxious, and I was really hungry. It's like going shopping to the supermarket when you're hungry. You just sure. come away with no meal and a bunch <laughs> of knickknacks. And um, I was like, let's just put macaroni on the menu and let's mm. double down on it. And we've now got our macaroni appreciation club that meets. Oh, I am the chairman of that. Like, <laughs> it is absolutely unbelievable. Sloan's, if anybody doesn't know it, it's just off Buchanan Street, yep. sort of the wee lane at Argyle Arcade. Being a, like a, I'm a total history loser fanatic and I always want to know what's the story behind this building? Why is this like that? And it yep. turns out in the early 1800s um, when Argyle Arcade was built and Sloan's was alongside it, but what became a Glasgow tradition is people would go and get their engagement ring like young couples and then it'd be straight up to yep. Sloan's to yeah. celebrate. And yeah. I think you've kind of ma- you've maintained that yeah. sort of tradition, haven't you, in yeah, terms yeah. of the connection to weddings? Yeah, huge weddings, like uh, two, three weddings a week there. It's brilliant. Oh, that's and it's, it's, it's just become a love. It's a melting pot of different people coming to Sloan's it's you know lots of old people young people people of all different genders and thought processes and opinion it's just a really brilliant inclusive venue my mum loves it she always goes on about it was that your first venue yeah 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 Yeah. hold on I've got thing me I did find where else you had oh there we go. Do you want me to tell you? Yes, you tell me. Because I've got a hell of a lot of notes. That's going to annoy me. No, wait, let me remember. Brill yes. is one. Oh, Let's play venue bingo. Venue bingo. We'll see it there. Oh, can I think of yeah, the other ones that's going to right. annoy me now? Okay, where would you go till 3 a.m.? If you, if that you... house in Falkirk. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, sorry, we're going right. at 3 a.m. At, at 3 a.m. <laughs> in the Trongate. You're, you're ready. Oh, Maggie Mays. Maggie Mays. Yeah. I was at a thing with my pal, Artie Joshy. It was yeah. for the, actually for the launch of the Out Out podcast, yes. which is also in the Big Light Network, hosted yep. by Artie and Laura. There you go, Fiona. You're welcome. The launch party was up in Vega. Yep. And they were like, let's all go out. And they were saying, let's go to the Polo Lounge. Yeah. So I was like, fine. Gay bars are the best, best night you can have. Got there. I've walked up now. I mean, as I say this, I'll have to demonstrate for the person listening. I'm thinking, gay bar? Going, of course I'm like surely I'm getting in here like surely they'll go yeah alright we wondered when you were going to arrive <laughs> so but we, we got up and they were like nah like you're not getting in so I was like what I, hadn't even, I wasn't even drinking either just like nah you're not coming in so everybody's left and um, Artie has been like nah fuck this we want a refund for all the money we've paid in so she's come out with this massive handful of pound coins and we're like let's go to Maggie Mays and we'll just stick it behind the bar <laughs> Artie's ju- ran up to the bar big smile on her face like ready to make this massive order and the yeah. guy went no uh, we're only uh, card in here and she's like holding <laughs> <laughs> about a hundred quid worth of pound coins she's like what am I meant to do this and he's like I don't know go to McDonald's or something like, <laughs> do people get knockbacks I mean I don't oh, even I... know that what, what had you been doing I don't know I mean I'm assuming that it, I don't know if they dictate, because we were kind of we were talking about it and thinking, the guy. Do you know what really annoyed me? As he's kind of, I've went up, smiled like, "Hi mate, how you doing?" And he said, "At this level, no, it's not not tonight, mate. It's just going to be a no." <laughs> so I was like, "What?" Like, sorry, I was like, I, "I mean, I was like ringing my ear, like if my ears switched off. Like, can I not hear what this guy's saying?" He went, no, sorry, and he's looking away, and I was like, "Mate, if you're." If you want me to fuck off, say it with your chest, and I will. Like, yeah. but see this, not oh. and, and again, there'll be people listening going, "It's not a bouncer's job to explain to you." And I'm like, "Aye, but 
that was just really annoying. It was <laughs> and it was freezing. But it went to Maggie May's stayed till three. There uh, you go. It was absolutely brilliant. brilliant. So um I'm, can I get like a black card for all your places that sure, I'm putting? man, hundred percent. Sloan's and Maggie May's yeah, and, that, dude, and that guy's house in Falkirk. We've not finished. <laughs> <laughs> Where else do you have? Uh um uh, Epicures in the West End. I absolutely love it. Do you know how right. I was seeing there? Go on. And it's become weird and I've seen her like yeah. five times. Uh, Judy Murray. Really? I've, honestly, I'm always like, why do I always fucking bump into you on here? Uh, do, do you know, it's like become like a de facto haunt of famous folk. Aye. You should come in, Sean. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why. It's, it's, um, there was a period of time, I'm going to forget the name, what's the chaps? Uh, oh, there was um, oh, loads of filming going on. Did you not on. employ Kevin Bridges? Uh, well, Kevin Bridges' wife, wife used to <laughs> run it way, way ago. But there was, um, this is a crap story because I can't even remember the name. Guy in Mad Men. Mad Men. Oh, um, ah. What's his name? John Ham. John Ham. So yes. John Ham was eating gamer. in it for a period of time. And was he? Is that is that John Ham? <laughs> oh, because he was here filming. That's right. And, and my mum, I was having lunch with my mum, and my mum was like, "That's John Ham. I love John Ham." And like the entire lunch, she's like preparing her script as to what she wants to say to John Ham. We go, and he's like minding his own business, reading the paper at the door. And I just can't imagine what it'd be like if you're famous, because this must happen all the time. My mum goes over, John Ham. <laughs> yes, I know my name. Thanks, and then he's like, I, "I love, I love, he's, I love what you do." Thanks, and then now he's now got to make conversation because yeah. my mum's being really awkward. <laughs> All right, mum, let's just go and leave John alone. But yeah, there was tons of filming going on. And, yeah, and like they were all coming in. It was and because there was him, there was a couple of others. But there was Brendan Fraser as well. Yes. So you'd have been like, no way, there's fucking George of the Jungle. Just like, (laughs) 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 um, he's like, he's chunked up. He has, aye. Because, I mean, he was like a pure Adonis in George of the Jungle. He would have got into the polo lounge. Uh, I I know. And I fuck that. So I should have taken him with me. Um, Do you know when they were filming Batgirl? Which obviously never saw the light of day. Was that? Ridiculous! I managed to get into the tunnel in the botanic gardens where they were filming it, and they changed the. They brought in this whole subway car. They turned oh, it into yeah. Batgirl's little Sin City, where they were all living and filming there for six months. It was very cool. That is amazing. Yeah, it was good. Uh, Epicures. Who else? Did, uh, that that um, Alan. No, she like a sprinter. The blonde blonde woman. Oh. Lindsay Sharp. Is it? Is something sharp? Um, uh, I don't know. Pro- probably the food's yeah, that good. I'm sure, she wants. It is. It is really, really good. Um, where else do you? Shucks. Sh- shucks. Yeah, yeah. I went to the launcher shucks. Oh, did you? Mate. I was there. Were you? Yeah. Loved it. Do you enjoy I, it? Yeah, I really loved it. Shucks is brilliant. Shucks is across the road, doesn't well, it? That's in partnership with the Kale Brook boys. Right, right. Super, but what they do food was unbelievable. Well, it's just got a Michelin commendation, which is very wow. cool. Yeah. Well, it's a bit of a polar opposite to the Sloan's macaroni and cheese. I know. <laughs> but see, that's you know diversity. Sometimes yeah. you want different things. Totally. Um, where else? Uh, is that the Griffin. Oh, <laughs> mate! I knew you had the Griffin. Uh-huh. I've got a funny story to tell you. God. <clears throat> So on, I, I, on, at least I, just for, for for clarity, but on um, on Tuesday yeah. Tuesday night I was at Soho House in Strand, mm-hmm. and uh, this guy I was walking past and he said, "Oh, mate, Celtic Rangers." <laughs> so I was like, "Neither, I'm a Samaritan supporter, and I don't want to put any potential listeners off." No, I was like, "I'm a Celtic fan," <laughs> and they mean this guy had it off because he pure loved Celtics. His family were Scottish. Long story short, ended up getting invited back for a part of them in this unbelievable house, and. Um, South Bank and it was like ridiculous flat 
and all these weird things. And then this guy just came up to me and went, do you know the pub, The Griffin? Right? And I was like, what? And I was like, the one next to the King's Theatre? And he went, yeah, yeah, the King's. And he's like, I used to, I think he did the score for the um, panto at the King's every year for like 12 years. And he, he either lived above it, he lived right. across it, and he was just like, yeah, I was in there all the time. Yeah. And I was like, that is... That is so just, unusual. Like, the Griffin, similar to Sloan's, it's got like such a crazy diaspora of people who yeah. just love it. And everyone's got their memory and everyone's got their story of what they did at the Griffin. Mm. The, um, he also, and he's like, yeah, and I used to go to uh, November and Princess Square and Kokomo. And I was like, what a bizarre <laughs> life you must lead. Like, <laughs> like, who are you going to this these places with and like why those three like not, dis- not denigrating Kokomo or November which is now October but I was like what like, alright okay it's November October yeah it's changed what a rebrand I know that's what <laughs> I like, said is it going to be August that's like God, you trying to come like, up with, that's like you trying to come up with Elf and Grover but it's like are you just going to go through like the whole calendar is it going to be Monday like, I know I mean that was like I just remember the brainstorm when I was working in TV where we need a new show for property Everyone's racking their head together. Four days, off-sites, what are we going to do? And I know location, location, location becomes relocation, relocation, relocation. <laughs> Keep it simple. 100%, man. I'm with you. Keep it simple. Um, as we kind of round up, is there anything that you would like to get across specifically about the the Amazon voucher, um, the Social Bite voucher that I haven't managed to cover that you think is important? For me, really, really simple. Um, that what you can do by donating fiver goes so above and beyond the usual pitch that people put in their stocking mm-hmm. fillers so just don't think about buying crap and go and buy something that makes a difference you know every year particularly over the last few years we're blown away by how it works and particularly since covid we've always gone is this going to work we don't know because clearly the public appetite there's lots of struggles out there there's lots of darkness out there and particularly with the cost of living crisis there's a lot of people who need help out there so if you're going to do something that makes you feel good that's which really is the only reason we do good things 100% go and donate and buy a few and put it in your stocking fillers absolutely well said no, no the only thing i'd add really is i suppose this year i think it's more important than ever with the cost of living i think across all the social bite venues we've seen the demand you know particularly in the latter half of this year absolutely spike for for free food and support um so we're only envisaging that getting even greater uh, next year so um uh, and over christmas so mm. yeah anyone that can buy that christmas dinner for a fiver it's genuinely going to go a long way particularly in the times we're in i couldn't agree more and uh, and in- as you're saying, Ollie, like spend it on that. Don't don't be spending it on 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 nonsense that'll just go to waste anyway. Um this has been easily my favourite interview of the year because then I can say that it's been worth one now twelve months in. Well, I don't know, I've got Martin Compson and Gordon Smart on no, Monday and then I've got George Bowie oh, on Tuesday. So you're oh, both both deeply no. uninteresting. Utter <laughs> <laughs> shite this one. Martin, Martin actually came and uh, supported the launch of the social play we did in London a few months ago, yeah, back in March. I'll make sure to mention yeah. it again on Monday then for that going out because there'll still be time. Thank you so much for you're coming welcome. in. It's been great and I take it we are now going to go and FaceTime George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mouth she just won't leave us alone it's like back oh, off I know like, you're leave married. it out <laughs> you're married we Move can't on. do this no cheers guys and thanks Sean as always to you listening thank you once again for tuning in and we'll be back with another episode of Blethered same time next week cheers Blethered was written and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light 
Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine. And for more information, go to thebiglight.com. If you like this podcast, please check out all our other series, including Talk Media, Natural Wonders. You could start a fight in an empty house. Talking Derry Girls, Brave Your Day, The Tartan Noir Show, Double Scotch, Great Scott, Trust Me I'm a Leader, Unearthed, A Sonic Hug and Old School. All on the Big Light, Scotland's podcast network. From the Big Light Studio.